Welcome to a new episode of Broadway Radio's pop culture podcast, Some Like It Pop. My name is Matt Tamanini, and joining me on the other line is the brains of our operation, Broadway Radio's Los Angeles Bureau Chief, Jennifer McHugh. Jen, welcome back to Broadway Radio. It has been a minute since the last time we talked. You had a pretty major milestone happen in your life, so congratulations about that, and happy birthday. Uh, How is everything over in Los Angeles? Or more importantly, Pasadena. Yes, I thought that the major milestone was me moving to a different city, but I guess we can talk about the birthday too. Um, thank you very much. That's very kind. And the fact that you're like four minutes, you live four minutes away from the Tony winning regional theater. I do. I do. Yes, we are within a mile of Pasadena Playhouse. So hopefully I can report back on some of those when we get more involved there. Awesome. And how long have you been in Pasadena proper now? Today is four months. Okay. Very nice. Very nice. So very, very nice city. Love it. Will you be able to see the Tournament of Roses parade outside your window or anything like that? No, I'll be able to hear it. And the streets near me will be closed. But within walking distance is the place where they park the floats before they go down the route. So the night before New Year's Eve, you can walk through the floats before the parade. It's very fun. I've done it before. Yeah, very, very cool. I love that. Well, we are speaking on Wednesday, June 21st. So this is the, what is this, the the summer solstice? Is that right? Am I getting that? Yeah, the first day of summer. Gross. We are, we're not exactly halfway through the year, but we are pretty close. And this episode will probably come out closer to July 4th. I'm not exactly sure of the date. So we wanted to check in with each other and see what were the pop culture things that we have enjoyed the most during the first half of the year. This could be TV, movies, podcasts, music, books, theater. I have told Jen that because I talk about the theater I see far more regularly here on Broadway radio, I'm going to limit my theater to just one spot on my top 10 list. Jen does not have those same restrictions, uh, but they are self-imposed because you've all heard me talk about a lot of the theater already. So what I'll probably do is just put one and then give the other things that I think have been really up at the top for me. Um, But what we'll do is we'll go 10 through six Uh, really quickly and just kind of give a little summation of them and then we'll alternate back and forth five through one until we get to our favorite things of the year. Jen, looking at my list, I think we'll probably have one or two things that overlap, but I don't think it's going to be a lot. But I'm interested to hear what is on your list and what you have been enjoying this year. So um, we'll go 10 through six one of us will do our our full 10 through 6, then we'll go to the other. So do you want to start or you want me to go first with, with uh, the 10 through 6s? How about you start? Okay, I have something here that I can almost guarantee is not going to be on your list. I <laughs> haven't watched this show. Honestly, I, I don't know that I've ever really followed an entire season of this show. I usually watch the first month and a half of the show and then dip out when it gets to a certain point. But I found myself really invested in season 23 of The Voice. One, because I I made a comparison with The Voice along with um, our beloved Great British Baking Show that the, the casting people are really good. I think the thing that makes GBBO or Great British Bake Off so great is they just find the most lovely humans to be contestants on the the show. And the same can be said about the voices coaches. The coaches just all work no matter what the combination is. They're just all 
lovely people and they seem like just despite being massive superstars like people you'd want to hang out with this year's slate of coaches was the indomitable kelly clarkson chance the rapper and niall horan those two were new this season i knew i mean other than knowing their names and maybe a song or two like i didn't know anything about chance or niall lovely absolutely delightful humans and this was the last season of blake shelton's run on the voice and they were great, but I and I always usually watch like the blind auditions and the knockouts. And then when it gets to like the fans voting, I'm like, I kind of lose interest. But the contestants on this season were great. I was really taken by them um, and really enjoyed them. I would not have guessed that the person who won would have won, but she would have been my choice. Gina Miles was the name of the winner. She was on Niall's team. I would have picked her to win. In second, I would have picked a group of three sisters named Sorella. They are from Ohio, but that's not why I would have picked them. Great, great harmonies and stuff. They finished fourth. I thought everybody was great, but I really enjoyed season 23 of The Voice. In my ninth spot is a book. It is a it is a novel called The Plot, written by Jean Hanf Korolitz. It is uh, the story of a writer who had kind of a modest success with his first book, but has really st- struggled to find a follow up. And through some kind of misbegotten plot points, he stumbles across a plot that somebody else was going to write, and then that person dies and he kind of takes that plot writes the story himself i mean it's not like he was like plagiarizing somebody else's words but writes the plot and then somebody is not very happy about him writing that plot the book was really really good what i really enjoyed about this jen is that it's a story about an author and a book that he has written and they actually give you a lot of the pages from the book uh that he had written so i found that really interesting the plot and it like it centers around this plot being like the most mind-bending unbelievable plot in the world i don't know that i would have gone that far i saw it coming but uh, i enjoyed it so the plot by gene hamp Coralitz. Next on my list, number eight, is the second season of HBO slash Max show Somebody Somewhere. Uh, Somebody Somewhere season one was probably in my top two or three. I can't remember of anything from 2022. This is a show that follows a character named Sam, played by the great cabaret icon Bridget Everett, who moves back to Manhattan, Kansas after the the death of her sister, tries to build a life and, and reconnect with her family, both her parents and her sister, as well as this found family that is played essentially by Jeff Hiller and Murray Hill, who is absolutely wonderful. Um, Her sister is played by Mary Catherine Garrison, who happens to be Bridget Everett's like longtime roommate when they were first starting out in New York City. So I love this show. I enjoyed the second season immensely and I'm very much looking forward to season three because it was renewed for a third season. And then seventh place here will be a show that I can guarantee, Jen, that you have not watched, but I bet your sister has watched it. This is The Way Home on the Hallmark Channel. It stars Kyler Lee, who is, as somebody of my age, grew up with Kyler Lee in movies, along with Andy McDowell and a couple other folks. It's like a it's a book that I would read. It has it's a lot of like sentimental family stuff, but there's also some like time travel and the repercussions of time travel. Loved this one. I I thought like most series, it started out with three or four great episodes, kind of sunk in the middle and then really ramped up towards the end, but really enjoyed The Way Home on Hallmark. Uh, I think you can binge it all on both Peacock and Hallmark movies now. 
And then in sixth place, I want to make a distinction. This is the novel, The Last Thing He Told Me by Laura Dave. I thought the TV version, and Jen, you and I have talked about this. Um, I thought it was good. It was solid. It, it followed the book pretty well in terms of not only the plot, but also my feelings for it. Like, it starts off strong and then you kind of think it's going slow because you expect there to be a lot more going on but it really ramps up towards the end but i really enjoyed this book um it, it's a quick read it was a number one new york times bestseller spent 65 weeks on the on the bestseller list but um really enjoyed this book and 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 liked the tv show not as much as the book but but enjoyed the tv show and anytime i can see jennifer garner and victor garber on tv together i am all for that so that was my number six, Jen. What do you have 10 through six on your list? Well, I'm taking notes because some of those things sound very interesting. Awesome. Uh, I just want to note that the voice finale is filmed at, at the Pasadena Convention Center. So I will be right down oh. the street from that as well. I didn't realize it was a different theater than where they shot mm -hmm. the rest of the season. Yes. Okay. So for the past year, we have been doing a Marvel rewatch. Um, we started with Iron Man and went the whole way through and we finished it. <laughs> so oh, great. I, um, we watched Quantum Mania on Tuesday night. So we only have Guardians to go and we've watched, we watched everything. And I'm just really glad I rewatched everything. I'm also really glad that I'm done with it. <laughs> You know, did you did you do the TV shows too or just the movies? No, just the movies. So we finished that and I'm very glad to be done with it. But in rewatching it, I had a new appreciation for ones that I didn't think I liked as much the first time. And there were some that I loved the first time. And then on the second watch, I was like, it's okay. So um, just really happy that that is done. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have not been as good at reading this year as Matt has, but I will point out a book that I absolutely loved and it is Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. I, don't I, know haven't, I haven't, I haven't read it that. yet. Yeah. Um, can you help me with the author? Uh, Gabrielle Zevin. Okay. So this was another book kind of like um, uh, Ready Player One, where I wasn't really interested in the concept of it, but the storytelling was amazing. So I always enjoy movies about things that I'm not interested in, but the storytelling is so universal that it doesn't matter if you're not interested in that world. And this again is gaming which ironically, Mythic Quest is one of my favorite shows, and I don't care about gaming, but it's very universal. So I am anxious to talk to you about that book when you read it. I'll put it on my um, list. <laughs> number eight was the second season and unfortunately the final season of Perry Mason on Max. Um, I, I thought it was a brilliant, beautifully shot, probably way too expensive show. And it was filmed here in my new neighborhood, Pasadena. I feel like I should be getting compensation from Pasadena for this <laughs> promotion, but it's a beautiful uh, show about the young Perry Mason years right after he becomes an attorney and Matthew Reese does no wrong in our eyes and great supporting cast, great storytelling, only two seasons, unfortunately, but it is on Max, hopefully now and forever, but you never know with Max. <laughs> Number seven was a documentary from last year, but I just got it this year in time for the Oscars. But I think that everyone should watch it if you can. And it's Navalny. It wound up winning the Oscar for Best Documentary. And I really think it's important that people understand what this man has gone through and what he is still going through. So it's not a laugh riot. So prepare yourself. But it is an important story about political prisoners. 
especially right now. And my number six was the surprise but delightful return of one of my favorite sitcoms, Party Down. So Party Down was this cult sitcom from the early 2010s, I want to say, on a then unknown network called Stars. Um, they didn't do any original programming at the time, so they cobbled together this show, which was composed of all of these future comedic stars and had this little ensemble cast, and it is hilarious. And then out of nowhere, season three popped up this year um, with most of this entire original cast. And uh, it was great. And it was really nice that all of them, even though they have gone on to stardom, they all came back to their origins and had a good time. Yeah, the, the cast is insane. Adam Scott, Ken Marino, Ryan Hansen, Martin Starr, Jane Lynch, um, Megan Mullally, Megan Mullally, Jennifer Garner, Jennifer uh, Coolidge, Jennifer Coolidge. The one person from that original cast that didn't return was Lizzie Kaplan because she had filming commitments with right. the Fatal Attraction. She was in the the Paramount Plus version of Fatal Attraction that was filming at the same time. But yeah, that's awesome. I, I was very glad I never watched it, but I was very glad that people who loved it had an opportunity to see it again. It holds up uh, if you are ever bored. It, the the first two seasons are available on Hulu, and um, the comedy is just really, really good. So let's get into our number fives. I'm going to start with something that I know you have watched, and I'm going to count it as being on your list, because number five for me was Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. I know that this film did not get nearly the critical response that Kevin Feige and all of the people over at Marvel would have liked, but I don't get it. Like, I thought it was really good. I, I thought there were certainly issues with it and things that I would have wanted to do differently, not only in terms of like the visual effects. I, the, I, I'm i kind of tired of everything looking dark and because of the VFX, like you couldn't really tell the scale of things. And when you have a character whose entire skill set is like getting big or getting small, not having any kind of points of reference for that makes it difficult to understand. I thought some of the storytelling things were murky. But I thought it worked. Like, I really enjoyed it. I thought the cast was great. I think they underused some of their, their you know, kind of not cameo people, but, you know, William Jackson Harper and Bill Murray and, and people like that. But I thought it, I, I always love the Ant-Man movies, but uh, I thought the movie really hit on a lot of themes that worked well. I thought, you know, I'm a sucker for any of the sentimental stuff. So the bits where Scott is connecting with, um, with his daughter, uh, Cassie were great. I, I don't know that it again worked super well in terms of like, uh, the story arc, but it, it just worked. And then maybe it's because I'm a sentimental person in, in terms of these things, but I thought it was much better than it got credit for. And it maybe if more people liked it, Jen, I wouldn't have it as high as, cause I'm kind of like responding to the backlash against it. But I thought quantum mania was a much more solid film than it gets credit for. And now I'm kind of interested to see what happens with it if and when they absolutely should recast Kang the Conqueror with somebody other than Jonathan Majors. Well, I loved it. Um, okay, good. There's a character. There's a there's a character in it that I don't want to spoil, but they. Oh, it's been out for a while. Oh, okay. Cor Corey Stoll. Yeah, I think as Modok. He's yeah, star. he's the star. Um, everything he did made me laugh, and the reaction to him, everybody had. What I would. It was just. He was wonderful. He stole the movie for me. And if you want more 
of Modoc. Did you know that on Hulu there is a an animated series of of Modoc that uh, where Modoc is voiced by Patton Oswalt? Yes, very aware. Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure. So yeah, Ant Man, Quantum Mania, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania is my number five. Jen, what is your number five? Well, I'm going to recommend a podcast. Um, it is completely the opposite of what you're saying. And it is a podcast called Fiasco, which I believe every season they examine a fiasco throughout history. But I am listening to season five, which is the AIDS crisis and epidemic. And it is not, again, not hilarious. Um, But I was talking to my best friend who happens to be an LGBTQ person. And he said, it's one of those things where People are trying to erase our history right now, and I want to know it well enough to be able to tell it if someday I have to. And that just struck a chord with me. And so these these episodes are not easy to listen to, but I think it's important to remember what happened. And especially with COVID being so recently, it's easy to see how it could have gone even worse than it did. So it's not an easy listen. But I do recommend it um, for educational purposes and learning about your history. Uh, all right. Number four for me, I'm going to get back on the TV side of things. And this is a show that like had a lot to live up to. One, because it is created by two of the people associated with Ted Lasso. It also has some major movie stars in it. And I think that while I don't know that it got nearly the buzz that Apple TV plus was hoping for, I thought that shrinking on Apple TV plus was an absolute delight. It is co-created by Bill Lawrence who came on and helped create Ted Lasso, but also created scrubs and spin city and Cougar town and, and, and all these other things. Um, So Bill Lawrence, Brett Goldstein, of course, from Ted Lasso and Jason Siegel, who, who stars in the show also in the cast, is an up-and-coming actor, actor named Harrison Ford. And then you've got Jessica Williams, Michael Yuri, Krista Miller, who is Bill Lawrence's wife, but also an absolute delight in everything that she does. A young woman I've never seen named Lukita Maxwell, and somebody who I don't know that he has had much of a career before that. He doesn't even have a Wikipedia page called Luke Tenney. I think they were very smart in how they laid out the season of, of television that they, they started with. The character that Jason Siegel played is a therapist, and he is going through dealing with his own grief. And one of the ways that that manifests as in his professional career, he decides to like stop following all of the rules that therapists are supposed to follow. And that's the way the show was pitched. And it starts off that way in the first couple episodes, but I think pretty quickly you realize that this is as like it's kind of built it's like oh this guy who's breaking the rules to help his patients but you realize pretty quickly like this is problematic but you know fairly quickly two maybe three episodes in like they just kind of leave that behind and that is no longer the focus of the season and it's just about these characters living together working together their neighbors their relationships are overlapping and they're all just fun and interesting and Maybe not people that I would necessarily always want to be around because they are kind of uh, pretty messy, but they are definitely people that I wanted to spend time watching on TV. Ted McGinley is in the season as well. Lily Rabe, um, Wendy Malick is in there. A bunch of great people play some of Jimmy's regular patients. And I 
I just I loved everything about the season. I, I really enjoyed it. And I'm very glad that it is getting a season two on Apple TV plus. And guess where the exteriors were filmed? Uh, Pasadena. That is correct. Yes. Yeah, of course. Of course. Some very nice houses <laughs> there as well. Yes. 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 Very. All right. What's number four for you? My number four is Wednesday. Oh, okay. On Netflix. I'm sure everybody knows what it is. It's the story of Wednesday Adams, the daughter uh, from the Adams family. I didn't know what to expect with this, but they took it in a direction that I wasn't expecting and incorporating a lot of supernatural elements. And the young cast starring Jenna Ortega, who's like the it girl right now for Gen Z. And, but her supporting cast was just phenomenal. And I found myself really engaged with all the characters. It's weird how a hand can make you feel emotions. Like that's just (laughs) really good acting. But it was one of those binge shows that we watched as we were moving and we didn't really have anything hooked up yet. And we didn't have time to commit to a, you know, a new show or anything. We just sat down and binged it and it was really delightful. And I'm really excited to see season two. And I wasn't excited at all when they talked about it, but, and you don't think of, of uh, when, when people announced, when they announced Catherine Zeta Jones and uh, Luis Guzman as her parents, they 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 were great. I mean, they're not in it a lot, but it's about her. It is very focused on her, which, you know, it's called Wednesday. Yeah. But I highly recommend it. It was very, very enjoyable. I haven't watched it, but I have been a fan of Jenna Ortega since she played young Jane on Jane the Virgin, uh, one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, and she just kind of anytime they did flashback scenes and they did flashbacks to when Jane was at different ages. So anytime she popped up, like I was like, oh, she really stands out as as having something. And I saw the her first Scream movie. I haven't seen the other one. I haven't seen anything else she's done, but she's always super captivating. So it was not a surprise to me that she really broke out uh, here with Wednesday. So very happy for her. All right. This was not something that I planned, but I'm sticking with Apple TV plus here for my next thing. Technically, I started watching this in 2022, but uh, I finished it in 2023. So I'm counting it on this list. And this is season two of the show Slow Horses. It is about a group of semi-bumbling British spies who have been disregarded and thrown away and they are pushed out of the MI5 like main headquarters and they just have to go work in this rundown building called Slough House where basically they're just put out to pasture and they just want to be uh, all the, the powers that be just want them out of the way. But, of course, they find themselves somehow unexpectedly in the middle of some major things. They are led by a really intelligent but slovenly senior agent named Jackson Lamb, played by Gary Oldman. Um, Like The hot shot of the group is named River Cartwright, played by Jack Loudon. Kristen Scott Thomas is the deputy director general of MI5 and kind of like not the she's not the bad guy of the series, but she is certainly an antagonist to everybody there. Um, it's got great uh, supporting characters and supporting actors. And a Jonathan Price shows up occasionally, which is always fun. Uh, Sophie Okonedo is in there to uh, another Tony winner. But um, it's just fun. They're short six episode seasons. They tell a complete story. They're based on a book series. So each season is based on a book. 
it's already been renewed through season four. And one of the great things about it is, is when you watch the season finale, they already have a trailer for the next season, which is great to keep you excited. They have not yet announced when season three will start, um, but I'm anxiously waiting. Um, hopefully they'll get both season three and four out um, this year, but we will have to wait and see. But Slow Horse is Apple TV Plus. A little bit of spy stuff, a little bit of comedy and humor. Um, really dry, very British, but but a lot of fun. All right, Jen, what about you? What do you have at number three? You really are watching a lot of Apple Plus. Huh? I know. I enjoy it. I like it. I uh, would like to talk about two shows I got to see. I got to go to theater shows. Um, I know this is usually Matt's area of expertise, but I actually got to go to the theater twice this year. And both of them, I think you had seen before. And, um, you know, me seeing two shows in 2023 is probably something you do in a, a Saturday. Yeah, so correct. not a big deal. But for me, it was. The first one was 1776, the all-female cast at the Amundsen. And the second one was Six, which is also an all-female cast. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 1776, I liked. There was a lot of things I liked about it. I didn't love it. There were a couple of things where I thought they could have gone further with. Um, but then there were things that I really loved about it. I thought Molasses to Rum was a beautiful interpretation. And um, Mama Looks Sharp just destroyed me, as usual. But um, it was a good time. We had a really good time. And then my sister came to visit for my aforementioned milestone birthday. Mm. And I took her to see the musical Six, which I have listened to the cast recording incessantly since it first came out and for some reason never really glommed on to the fact of how dark it gets and in the middle mm -hmm. of um Catherine Parr's song suddenly it occurred to me oh dear this is going someplace I wasn't really thinking about and it went from being a fun show and a good show to a great show and we had the best time. The audience was electric. They were only had a few more performances after us. And the emotions were clearly on their faces as they cried through the entire curtain call. And it was uh, remarkable. So every time I see you post on Instagram, going to see six again, I understand why. I, as of now, I've seen six, seven times, kind of plan on seeing it again in October. I'm going to be in town with uh, an old college friend of mine, and we're going to see a bunch of shows together, and she has not seen Six, um, so we think that might be one that we uh, end up seeing. So Six for the eighth time, uh, definitely, definitely a possibility. All right, number two is where I'm going to actually do my theater stuff. I'm kind of at a tie with my two favorite theater things that I've seen this season. One of them as of recording time, is not officially open. By the time the show comes out, it will have opened on Broadway, so I can talk about it. But the three shows that I want to mention are Shucked, Once Upon a One More Time, and A Doll's House. Shucked, you've heard me talk about this. To me, that was the best musical of 2023, or 2022, 2023 for the Tony Awards. The fact that it really had no shot to win the best musical Tony shocks me and disappoints me. It was funny. It was sweet. It was incredibly well written, both in terms of the book, uh, but also the score from two people who 
our country music writers, Brandy Clark and Shane McAnally, they're not musical theater writers. But if you would have told me that seasoned Broadway pros had written that score, I would have believed you. It really works in terms of telling the story. They sound like country show tunes. They don't sound like country music songs. They sound like you know, countrified show tunes, which is what you want in a show like this. Um, the performances were all uniformly fantastic, of course. Alex Newell won the Tony. I thought Caroline Inner Bickler, who was essentially the lead of the show, was robbed of a Tony nomination. She was spectacular, so much so that Reba McIntyre said that if and when they make a biopic about her, she wants Caroline to play her in the film. Um, I really enjoyed this one tremendously. Then Once Upon a One More Time, which I saw with press tickets on a Friday night and then went back to the hotel and bought tickets myself to see it again the very next night. It is weird. It is quirky. It is funny. It's a show that both takes the story it's telling very seriously, but in no way, shape or form takes itself seriously. If ever a show understood the assignment that it had been given, it is this one. It is just kooky but always with a smile on his face and, and a really loving approach to everything that it does. The cast is tremendous. Justin Guarini and Jen Samard, but this is not a surprise for Jen Samard because she gets a Tony nomination for any time she like breathes on stage. But Justin Guarini deserves to not only be a Tony nominee next year, but as far as I'm concerned, I don't know how anyone is going to beat him. I guess it depends on what category, if they put him in lead or featured. Um, the rest of the cast is fantastic. Aisha, Aisha Jackson, I knew she could sing, but I didn't know she could sing like that. She's amazing. I have a feeling that when the reviews come out, they're going to point out that Brigga Heelan, who is the, the lead of the show playing Cinderella, she is far more a sitcom person, a TV person than a theater person. She was one of the stars of the TV show Great News, where she played uh, Andrea Martin's uh, daughter. She was also on the TV show Ground Floor, which was created by Bill Lawrence, who we talked about earlier. She starred opposite uh, Skylar Astin in that. I think a lot of the reviews are going to talk about She's kind of out of place in terms of vocal quality. She's a fine singer. I, people have said that she was pitchy. I saw it twice in a row. I didn't have any pitch issues with her. She's certainly not as good of a singer as everybody else in this cast. But she is such a wonderfully warm and inviting and, and delightful presence at the center of this show. I was I was really taken with her. And um, I, I really enjoyed her performance. And, and I think think that it was very necessary for the success of this show. And then the final is A Doll's House. You might have heard of it one of the most famous shows in the history of the world. But this production by Jamie Lloyd, uh, starring both Arian Moyad and most importantly, Jessica Chastain, was revelatory in a lot of ways, mainly because they did nothing but just act it. There was no set. All there was was a couple chairs and a um, and a turntable. And that's it. So much so that there's there was no set like Jessica Chastain, you know, spoiler alert for a, you know, multiple century old show. But when Nora leaves at the end of the show, Jessica Chastain literally walked out the back of the, the, the door that's on stage. She went all the way upstage and went outside onto the street in New York City. And there's videos you can find on social media of like people filming from outside, which is always kind of fun. But it was just Jessica Chastain, who I've I've never not liked, but I've never like been, oh, she's incredible, blew me away. Obviously, she's one of the great actors working today. I'm not saying that she wasn't, but like I never really got it, got it until I saw this. 
and I got it and she was tremendous. So there's a lot of other things that I've liked and I've seen Mandy Patinkin in concert was amazing, but um, Shucked, Once Upon a One More Time and A Doll's House were the three best things that I've seen in the first six months of 2023. So even though we don't record a lot, people should know we talk basically pretty much every day, right? Yeah. Yeah, every so, day, every other day, yeah. <laughs> so we're very up to date on each other's pop culture preferences. And when you said I have a few shows to talk about, I I off mic said, Oh, I know what three they are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because I've good. heard about them incessantly from you. Not, incessantly. not in a bad way. Not in a bad way. I'm just saying that I know how much you love those shows. Yeah, they are all fantastic. Uh, all right, what is your number two? Well, I'm gonna go to another streamer called Peacock. And mm-hmm. I feel like you're going to talk about a show on there too. So I'm going to talk about the other, the other oh, okay, one. Okay, great, great, great. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about Poker Face, which I thought was one of the best shows of the year. Um, and it's just an old fashioned murder mystery show. Um, people have compared it to Columbo, but I think I feel like Natasha Leone kind of made it her own. It, you really need a sparkling personality to pull off this. When you reveal the crime and the murderer within the first five minutes, she has to spend the rest of the episode figuring it out. And it takes someone as engaging as her to pull that off. And I was riveted every, every episode. Um, It's, I think it was eight, was it eight, eight or 10. And every, it's a, um, it's not serial, it's episodic. So every story is its own every episode is its own story there's a little bit of a through line with her as her character but mostly you can watch them as one-offs and the guest stars they got in there were incredible like unbelievable when someone pops up you're like oh my is that nick nolte like it's it's just amazing so i highly recommend poker face i've recommended it to everyone in my family even the curmudgeons who refuse to watch tv regularly and I have a feeling I know the other show you're going to talk about. Yes. My number one is also from Peacock. Um, I watched all of Poker Face. I liked it. I didn't love it. To me, I think the reason they compared it to Columbo, because correct me if I'm wrong, my Columbo watching has been fairly limited in my life. But don't you also know who the murderer is at the beginning of Columbo episodes as as well? Yeah, the the formula is the same. Okay, that's why. Well, that's why I was saying. Like, I, I thought yeah. that was why. To me, I understood what they were doing with that, and I appreciated that. I enjoyed seeing how things worked out. But I wanted there to be a bit more of a spectacular ending to these episodes. Like, they always, to me, the endings always felt uh, underwhelming for some reason. But I will say, Natasha Leone is one of the best. Like, she is just literally like to think about the tra- trajectory of her career. Going from like these 90s movies as a teenager, like um, 10 Things I Hate About You, um, But I'm a Cheerleader, everything that she did back then, to go through all of the personal things she's had in her life that she's dealt with, to now be with this and Russian Doll, just like a singular force in Hollywood. I'm just delighted for her. Like I, I, she is as captivating as you could possibly be as a performer on, on television. Um, and I will continue to watch poker face, even if it's not my thing, just to be able to see her on TV, uh, you know, eight, 10 times, however many episodes there are. She's just an original and it just seems, it seems like everyone adores her. I mean, when she was on Saturday night live, people were coming out of the woodwork just so they could see her. Yeah. She's the best. Absolutely. 
All right, I am going to stick with Peacock because my number one thing for the first half of 2023 is the show Mrs. Davis. This thing is absolutely batshit crazy. Like, if you take the craziest, most bonkers, out-of-this-world concept for a TV show and then put it in a blender with like 17 other crazy bonkers shows, you might approach a fraction of what Mrs. Davis is. It comes from two very different creators, Damon Lindelof and Tara Hernandez. Damon Lindelof, of course, one of my favorite, and I think I probably speak for you too, somebody that you love as well, considering you have a tattoo dedicated to one of his fa- uh, one of his first shows. But he's responsible for Lost, for The Leftovers, for Watchmen. It makes sense that this show came from him. But Tara Hernandez was actually the showrunner, actually the person doing the majority of the work on this. And her background is on TV sitcoms. She worked for years, both on Big Bang Theory and Young Sheldon. So I think some of the humor from this show comes from her. But it is, I I think I could tell you what the plot is, but it can't really do justice to it. Um, Betty Gilpin, who is one of the best working as well, and I'm glad that she finally got a show that was able to focus and highlight her incredible talents. She plays a nun, a literal nun, who is essentially tasked with finding the Holy Grail, the literal Holy Grail, in order to destroy her arch nemesis, which is like this all-powerful, beloved AI that basically everybody in the world lives their lives according to. If that sounds crazy, that's nothing, because it gets crazier. Jake McDormand, who I didn't really know a whole lot, plays her ex-boyfriend, Wiley. Andy McQueen plays her... Question mark? We'll leave it at that. Um, But the, the the recurring cast is... Tremendous. Margot Martindale, Elizabeth Marvel, the incredible Chris Diamantopoulos, just absolutely an insane performance from him. David Arquette is in there as well. Everything about this show is is, is just perfect. Whenever you think you know what's going on, they not only pull the rug out from under you, Jen, but they like pull the rug out from under you, beat you over the head with it, and then like convince you that the rug was never there in the first place. Uh, to me, it was a perfect eight episodes. There is absolutely no indication that they have any intention of doing a season two, which I think works perfectly because there does not need to be one. But I would love to see Tara Hernandez and Damon Lindelof collaborate again, uh, especially if they find a way to get Betty Gilpin involved as well. No, I know this was on your list, but I pulled up our text exchange from um, (laughs) our first viewings and I said, have you watched Mrs. Davis? My mouth dropped open the entire pilot. It is batshit crazy. Yes. Your response a few days later was, that was the strangest hour of television I have ever seen. I loved every second of it. Yeah, true. Very true. And also, when David Arquette's in your show, and he is one of the most normal characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he is pretty normal compared to a lot of the other people. Yeah, it is a it is a ride. Yeah, I loved it. I loved every second of it. It is one of those shows that it's what I want television to be because, like, it is it does what it wants to do and doesn't care about what you would normally think like a network or a streamer or a studio 
would would like give notes on because there's no way that if you if anybody other than Damon Lindelof was behind this, I feel like Peacock or NBC Universal, you know, whatever would have said, mm, maybe let's not do this. Let's not do that. But he got to do it and it worked. And uh, I, I don't re you know, this Jen, I don't rewatch things. But there's a very good chance that I will rewatch Mrs. Davis at least once or twice because it was perfect. It was a perfect eight hours of television as far as I was concerned. I would love to see the character description and the script for Chris Diamantopoulos' character because what he does with that character, it is insane. He he just goes there. They take really big swings. Um, I hope we're not overselling it, but it is a wild ride. It really is. So highly, highly recommend that. Uh, All right, Jen, what does that mean your number one is? To me, the absolute best TV show so far in 2023 is Disney Plus's The Muppets Mayhem. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you're a big Muppets guy. The Muppets were really huge in my life. Um, my, My biggest hero is Grover. And when I heard that they were doing a new Muppet show, because they keep trying and they can't get traction for any of these shows. And I just don't know if the audience is there anymore, but Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem is the house band from the Muppet show. And this is like a docuseries about them currently as they're touring and the record company wants to make an album because they've never released an album. It stars Lily Singh. And as you can expect with the Muppets, the cameo brigade that comes through these episodes, it is you. I I can't even do it justice. However, it's just enjoyable. Matt, you're a sentimental guy. I think every episode will Mm -hmm. make you cry. The fact that you're so invested in these Muppets, these puppets, I never once looked at it and thought, wow, that's some pretty great puppetry. I would look at it and be like, are Floyd and Janice dating? Like, I don't understand. But (laughs) they are actual three-dimensional characters with layers and pasts and complex relationships and humor and sentimentality. And there's no one cuter in the world to me than Zoot. He is just my guy. And I just highly recommend it. If you just need a feel good, um, the complete opposite of Mrs. Davis, it's not a wild ride. It's just nice and quaint and it'll make you feel really good. I love that. I'm, I'm somebody who, wasn't around for like the original height of the Muppets show. But I remember when they redid the Muppets show, I must have been a freshman or sophomore in high school and I loved it. Um, And I've gone back and watched some of the older episodes, of course, like the ones with um, like the Elton John one is iconic, of course. And I love a lot of the movies and I really enjoyed. I talked about Jason Siegel earlier. Like I really liked his Muppet movie and wish they had done more of those. But um, I will put this on the list. It hadn't been on my list originally, but uh, I would definitely like to check it out at some point. All right, Jen, before we close it out here, I wanted to kind of check in with how you were doing with any of your pop culture New Year's resolutions. I don't remember exactly what yours were, what what you were hoping to do this year. Do you have uh, a list that you want to run through and and update everybody on? I do. I believe we did three, right? Uh, I don't remember, but I have a list of stuff. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to tell you right now (laughs) that (laughs) I have done none of these because I moved. I moved in February and that takes up your entire life for a month before, during and after. So 
I have not done any of these. My first one was to watch another Ken Burns documentary because I watched Vietnam and couldn't believe how much I wasn't taught in school. My second one was to cut down on podcasts and read more books. If anything, I have read less books and have listened to way more podcasts. And my third one was to watch more movies before 1980, which I still really want to do. Instead, though, we started watching the Fast and the Furious franchise (laughs) and the John Wick franchise because I was so brain dead after moving. I just needed something brainless. So that's where we're at with mine. (laughs) Okay, good. No, no, no. You've got a second half of the year. That's okay. Yeah. Um, Mine were, I think I might have had three, two. So we'll get through here. One was to watch every movie for my two vintage calendars um, that I have. They have a new movie for every specific month. Currently, I'm looking at uh, the Maltese Falcon on lunch, which I have actually seen. And then Yankee Doodle Dandy. Um, This is actually the second year in a row I've had this resolution because I did not do a very good job of it in 2022. I've done an even worse job in 2023. I have not watched a single thing from those calendars. So we'll see if I can get to it. My next one was to see 52 shows outside of New York. And obviously, when I go to New York, I can rack up a lot of shows. But I wanted to make sure that I was seeing things in Florida and other places. But so far this year, it has just been uh, in Florida. As of recording, which is Wednesday, June 21st, I have seen, and I'm counting plays, musicals, and theater-related concerts. Like, I've got... Mandy Patinkin, Leslie Odom Jr., Jesse Mueller, Ellery Ward in here for concerts. But including all of that, I am at 53 shows outside of New York. So I have already eclipsed that before being halfway through the year. And then we get to one that you kind of referenced and I mentioned had a couple things in my uh, in my top 10. My goal was to read 12 books uh, just for fun by the end of the year. And I've, I love reading, but I just have never made it in recent years, haven't been able to make it a priority. And um, I wanted to do that this year. And as of this past weekend, I have finished book number 11. So I have started book number 12, which is the third Mycroft Holmes book written, co-written by Kareem Abdul-Jabbar along with Anna Waterhouse. Um, This is Mycroft and Sherlock, The Empty Birdcage. I love all these. I've read the first two. This is a great one, so I figured this would be a nice one to wrap up. I don't know, just because I've got other things going on, if I'm going to finish it by the end of June, but I would like to kind of wrap that up and have it be, um, you know, that I knocked out two of those three uh, resolutions before getting halfway through the year. So I feel like I'm doing fairly well with that with those. But, Jen... We also gave each other resolutions, and we have not done these at all. So you had me want to catch up on Stranger Things. I have not watched any Stranger Things since the beginning of this year. I also still need to finish catching up on Mythic Quest. I watched the first season for your resolution for me last year. I haven't gone from there, but I need to do that. And then I gave you the resolution of us doing like a recap recap podcast together. We obviously haven't done that, uh, especially with all of your moving and everything. But so those are still on the table for the second half of 2023. So we will see. Uh, so we will see how that goes and if we actually get to that uh, before we flip the calendar to 2024. Yeah, moving kind of um, 
took the wind out of my sails. It just, it, it's just such a difficult process, but I'm so happy to be settled now. And, you know, just, it's just nice to not have an, a constant to-do list every day of things for the move. So I feel better about the second half of the year. And um, I hope that I can have a better report when we get closer to the holidays. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything before we wrap up that is coming up either in the short term or uh, in the in the, you know, the fairly near future over the next month or two that you are specifically looking forward to, whether that's TV or movies or anything like that? Well, we we talk a lot about the bear because Mm -hmm. uh, I just rewatched it with my boyfriend who hadn't watched it. Oh, and that starts, I believe, tonight or tomorrow. Yeah, the 22nd, Season technically. Two. So yeah. by the time this comes out, all eight episodes, yeah. or no, all 10 episodes. I think it was the 10 episodes this year. Uh, but they'll all be out because they all release on the same time at Hulu. Very excited about that. Love that show. Um, not really. I mean, I'm, I, haven't, I haven't gone back to the movie theater yet since COVID. You know that. And now it's been so long so that it feels like if I do go back, it has to be like an event. So my boyfriend suggested Indiana Jones, but I suggested Mission Impossible. So it keeps getting pushed further and further down the year. So TBD on that. Um, And then the only other thing is you don't rewatch anything and I rewatch everything. So I'm in the middle of a Lost rewatch, a Twin Peaks rewatch, and a New Girl rewatch. So Hmm. maybe that's the answer to why I haven't gotten to some of the things (laughs) of the new shows. Yeah. and then, of course, the Emmys. So maybe we'll be able to yeah. get together for the Emmys. Definitely. I think it's going to be neck and neck for Sudeikis and Hater because their final seasons were impeccable. And uh, I think it's going to be a bloodbath between the two of them. For the do Emmys. you? I do, do you? I feel like the 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 luster has worn off Ted uh, Ted Lasso. I completely and disagree. Three. And I have fought with so many people about this. This was the best season ever. Oh yeah, we strong disagree on that. That's we'll, yes, we'll we save do because it was the we'll greatest season they've ever. It was done. not. It was not even it close. Was, yeah. Um, one thing that I want to put on people's radar because I don't know that people are talking about it on July seventh on Prime Video, they will release a new series called The Horror of Dolores Roach. This is a a show that is based on a podcast that is based on a play. The, both the play and the podcast starred. One of the absolute best, Daphne Rubin Vega. The play was a one-person show that she did off-Broadway called Empanada Loca. Uh, This new... Then she also starred with Bobby Cannavale in the podcast version of it. But this new series version stars uh, Justina Machado, who is uh, tremendous. Also has K. Todd Freeman in it, Judy Reyes, uh, Mark Marin as well, uh, and some other uh, folks. But it is essentially kind of a modern... Sweeney Todd story set in Washington Heights. It's eight episodes coming to Prime Video. I don't know off the top of my head if it's releasing every episode at once um, or if it's doing a weekly type of release, but I love the play. I've read the play. I listened to the whole podcast. Justina Machado is great. She's, uh, again, going back to not only uh, Jane the Virgin, but One Day at a Time. Um, she's, She's just one of the best. And Six Feet Under. Oh, Six Feet Under, which I didn't watch. But yeah, Six Mm -hmm. Feet Under as well. 
Uh, but I'm really looking forward to it. So the horror of Dolores Roach on Prime Video coming on July 7th. Keep an eye out for that amongst many, many other things like uh, Hijacked, The After Party is coming back, Only Murders in the Building, obviously. Also, by the time this episode comes out, this this show will be out as well. It's called I'm a Virgo, also on Prime Video. I don't, I haven't seen anything about it, but the concept of it and the reviews for it really have me really interested in it. It is by um, Boots Riley, who has been behind a, a lot of really interesting stuff. He did the the film Sorry to Bother You, which came out in 2018. He's also kind of like has a, has a history of, in the rap community as well. He's a, he's a rapper. But the show I'm a Virgo is about a 19-year-old black man who is 13 feet tall and how he's kind of been shielded from the outside world and kind of like he, he gets kind of like discovered and, um, you know, kind of goes from there. Also, uh, Kara Young, who is a many time multi Tony nominated actress and one of our favorites. Um, she's in it as well. Uh, Walton Goggins is in it. Mike Epps. So um, some really, really great cast. So I'm looking forward to that coming out uh, on June 23rd, all seven episodes on Prime Video. Well, let us know what your favorite pop culture items from the first half of 2023 are. We would love to hear them and add them to our lists. Uh, as Jen said, we uh, hope to do a, a Wish, Want, and Will episode coming up for the Emmys in September. Maybe we'll chime in on something uh, before then as well. But Jen, if they have uh, anything that they want to send your way, you're not really on Twitter anymore. What's the best way that people can can follow you and keep up with what you're doing? Well, they can follow the podcast on Twitter, and I can I can see that. But no, I've I've tried to wean off social media a little bit. Good for you. Good for you. I uh, still have it mostly for um, playbills and workout videos, but that's really the and work purposes. But uh, you can still follow me on Twitter and Instagram at bww matt, and of course you can reach out to Broadway Radio at Broadway Radio. Um, you, we still technically have the Some Like It Pop podcast feed. I don't know that either of us has tweeted from that in years, but it's at SLIP mm-hmm. podcast. But uh, who knows? Maybe we'll we'll jump back in there at some point. All right, that is all that we have. Thank you for checking in with us and hearing what we have enjoyed in the first half of 2023. We will be back at some point in the future. And until then, stay safe, enjoy what you're watching, and uh, feel free to like stop watching things or stop reading things if you don't like them. There's no rule that says just because you start, you have to stop. Amen to that. Uh, yep. All right, everybody, have a wonderful rest of your summer, and we will talk to you again soon. <laughs>